0: Welcome to Roundhill Radio, the podcast from Roundhill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome to Roundhill Radio. I'm Leslie. I'm Ed. And good morning, Ed.
1: How are you, Leslie?
0: I'm doing just fine, and we're having like a mini a mini book club today yeah. that's going to shepherd us into a proper Roundhill Radio book club. So I'm yes. I'm thrilled. Proper about uh, today's episode so what have you been reading
1: well I (laughs) actually uh, a little bit of a little bit of downtime and uh, there's a book that's just been tugging at my sleeve for me to read it so I finally got around to it and it's funny because it's one of these books that I had started Mm -hmm. and then I could see where my pen marks dropped off around like page 55 (laughs) oh okay I only got that far so I went back to the beginning Um, it's a wonderful book by Karen Armstrong, 12 Steps to a Compassionate Life. And uh, Karen Armstrong is a a very popular author. She is a scholar of religion. Her her field is comparative religion. She loves to see how uh, various religions come at common themes. And uh, so I really have enjoyed many of her books over the years. And so this particular book though was interesting because when she developed this idea and began to get it out um, into the public, she got a lot of wonderful response to it. And so she's created an organization which is helping her to develop the themes in the book and to get those out into educational institutions and organizations. So that's the book that finally said, "Ed, read me, finish this thing." And uh, and I did, and I was really really glad to read it.
0: I'm so curious about a comment you made. Are you? How do you read? Are you a a, a paper paid corner? Bender, Do you highlight? Do you circle? Do you make notes? I'm really into this idea.
1: <laughs> you know, aside from turning the, the pages, the, the corner of the book, I never do that, but I do everything else. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. And I have, I have stacks of books all over the house. And, um, but you know, the interesting thing is usually I will read a little of this, read a little of that. And then all of a sudden it's as if one of those books You know, a hand reaches out through the book and grabs me and says, you're going to finish me. So put all those others aside. And that's how I read. And then once once I am set and fixed on a book, I'll read it straight through. And then I go through the same ridiculous process all over again, where I'm like sampling, sampling, sampling. And finally, Mm -hmm. something comes out and says, finish this. And that's that's how I do it. Doesn't sound very healthy, but that's what it is.
0: We all have our process. It's a process. If you'll indulge me for a minute longer, are you a nighttime reader, a morning reader? Do you have a favorite chair?
1: (laughs) All good questions. So, you know, I do kind of have a favorite chair, yes. Um, But I do find that there comes a time when I'm reading a book, if I'm getting really serious about it and I'm starting to pick up energy, Mm -hmm. I almost have to read at a desk or a table. I don't know if that's a carryover from, you know, school. Um, but it's something that's kind of like now I'm up and at them. You've got my attention. And also the thing is I love to write in books Mm -hmm. and make notes and underline and detail and all that sort of stuff. That's a lot easier to do for me at a desk or a table. I have a very hard time reading in the morning. It makes me sleepy. And so I just like that to sort of stay away from that. (laughs) Uh, Best times for me to read if I can get time on the weekend, late afternoon. Those are those are great times to read on the weekend. I don't often have that time during the week. So in the week, it's usually trying to do it in the early evening. So I
0: love that
1: night time's a disaster. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah. One, one
1: sentence and then out.
0: <laughs> I try that, and then sometimes I'll be so into a book mm. that I I will often read sometimes at night to help you know help quiet the mind, get my body yes. ready for bed. And, and, but if I'm really into it, it's like one, 2.00 AM before I oh. even blink. And it's so bad. <laughs> it's isn't so bad. that a
1: great feeling though, to be absorbed like that?
0: Oh, it's magical. It's yeah. magical. It's the greatest thing. I remember, um, you know, when, when e-readers first came out and I, I thought admittedly, I thought they were sort of silly cause I like paper, you yes. know, I like to hold a book, but then I realized it meant you could read at night with the lights off. And Ooh, that true. is like a, sp- there's a, sp- I like guess, sp- wonderful feeling of really, it's like watching a movie, like you're lost in it. Cause that's yes. all you can see are just the words on the page.
1: I know. You're like, you're in your own little world.
0: Yeah. It's so, it's so great. It's so great. So back to, back to your story. I, I got go. a sideline. I'm sorry. I was so curious about. That's a good sideline. <laughs> You know, because we well, in full disclosure, we just recorded our last episode on how you pray and the process therein, and I thought I think how you read is kind of along those same lines. So,
1: yeah, I
0: think so, so. Right. Twelve steps to a compassionate life. Why steps? I feel like we there's a certain uh, association that perhaps many of us have with this idea of steps. Yes. Yeah. Um. So why steps?
1: Well, I thought it was interesting uh, that Karen Armstrong chose 12 steps because 12 step programs are indeed very, very popular and often very effective for people. And you get a you, you do have the enjoyment of a sense of progression, right? And uh, so what, what do we like to say that, that practice is progress or can be progress, right? Practice well, makes progress. Practice makes progress. So That's I thought about that, that little line a lot. I think what Karen Armstrong is saying is that compassion is a form of expertise, which mm. may not be something that we think about. It is something that we can become more proficient in. And if that's the case, all right, then why not think about it as a, as a progression of steps like many things, it's probably not a linear progression. So maybe we do pretty well with steps one through three, then we go back to step one, (laughs) go up to step seven and back to four. Um, But that's okay. I think that's how learning goes. It's more like a spiral in a sense, right? That can go forwards and backwards. But there is a sense of progression. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's it's uh, going to ruin the book by saying that in a way, the progression here goes from the most accessible kind of, of compassion to the most difficult kind of compassion. So Mm -hmm. she starts off on step one, which is really with the very simple question of asking, what is it Mm -hmm. learning about it? Let's not assume that we know what compassion is. Let's explore it. And of course, because she's a scholar of religions, she gives us wonderful insight from many world religions. And I think that's one of the great gifts of the book. But she's heading towards the ultimate goal of step 12 is showing compassion for enemies. Mm. And that, in a sense, is the litmus test of compassion, not only showing it towards ourselves and our friends and family, but towards those with whom we are really at You know, where there's real, uh, the word that used to be used in this way was enmity, you know, a sense of real horrifying discord when there's a, you know, uh, the feeling that we have enemies. And uh, so that's that's why the 12 steps make sense. It's bringing us towards something that is really challenging, but also giving us a sense that if we stay true to the process, we can get there, that we are capable of loving our enemies.
0: So in the first step, you were saying you learn really what about what compassion is. Was there anything new in that for you?
1: Well, One of the things that I liked, as I said, about the book was the way in which she draws in comparisons with other religions beyond the Judeo-Christian tradition. So there's a lot of information about Islam, a lot of information about Confucianism. And I think that for me was the the new part, was to explore how how important this idea of compassion was in ancient China, and that eventually led into some of the great wisdom teachers in China over the years. And she, she plays that out. And I guess the thing that was really new for me is that many of these, I guess I would call them, you know, Chinese sages from centuries past, they actually used compassion in statecraft. So they were trying to have political leaders understand the extraordinary value of compassion and good leadership. And and, And they came at it from a common sense standpoint. They said, compassion, is good leadership it will make you a stronger leader and a better leader and a, and and someone will who will hold the leadership position for a longer period of time so you know they were trying to accent that self benefit side yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you'll keep your power <laughs>
1: exactly right? so so look at it from both sides it's good for the people it's good for you and um and he and she was very successful from my perspective at showing how uh, some leaders chose to absorb that teaching and they became very successful and of course it's sort of like everything, it waxed and waned over time. But that was that was new information for me to see how important this was in ancient Chinese culture and philosophy. and um, just a very rich tradition of compassion growing up, you know, alongside the Greeks and then the Jews and you know the and, and on and on,
0: yeah, that's so interesting. When we were chatting before recording this episode, you mentioned this idea of thinking, before acting how hmm. what, 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 what's that about in the book
1: i love the way that karen armstrong comes at this the longest chapter in the book is the first one and it's just about learning about hmm. compassion and um there's a wonderful book called zen mind beginner's mind hmm. and i think that what um karen armstrong is saying is approach compassion as a beginner, as if you don't know what it means. Because of course, with all things, we sort of, we pull into it, we we have an empty basket and then we pull all kinds of things in there. And then we develop some definitions of our own. And she was saying, empty the basket again. Mm -hmm. Start, Start fresh if you can, rethink what this can be. So come at this as a learner. And I think there's great strength in that. It's when we come at things as a learner, We're more open-minded. You know, we tend to bring more questions than we do answers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I have to say that that approach was very helpful for me um, because the other thing that she does very beautifully in the book is in addition to starting from that open-ended question, as in think before you act, Mm -hmm. when she gets to the action parts, it feels like you have a very solid foundation. Mm -hmm. And she gives very specific practices in the book about how to become more compassionate. And I really love those. And she will say, you know, if there's a group of people or if there's another country or if there's a religious expression that you really find yourself at odds with,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: she said, that's where you're that's where you need to grow as a compassionate person. And she talks about kind of adopting these other groups or people and making a commitment, actually making a pledge to learn more about them, becoming less judgmental, asking the question, why do you think they've become this way that bothers you? And then she turns it around and says, could there be some things about you that might also be bothersome to this group? So it's a very humbling process. But again, it starts from a good solid foundation of learning about compassion first and then acting out of that understanding.
0: That's so interesting because the the first thing I thought when you were saying the first step was just learning about compassion is that it it really starts from this humility
1: right. of
0: of of really just sort of like putting the ego and the and the the sense of like well, I should know blank blank, putting right. all that aside and just starting starting like you said with an empty basket. I like that imagery a lot.
1: Yeah. And I think going along with that, Leslie, of course, she's really grounding this notion of compassion in the golden rule. Hmm. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, which we uh, and within the Christian tradition, we identify that with Jesus, but it's not unique to him. I mean, this was a saying that actually these ancient Chinese sages were using several hundred years before jesus was born so Mm -hmm. this is somehow deeply embedded in the human dna this understanding right that the golden rule is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you and so in the very early chapter she says how important it is to exercise compassion for oneself because it's only as you know how you would like to be treated and what it feels like to be treated well that you then you can extend that to other people And, um, but we have to know what, what it is, what is it that makes us feel cared for, safe, secure, you know, uh, energized. Once we know that, we'll have a better sense of how to care for other people.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of times we were encouraged to, you know, ask for what you need from other people. And it's sometimes... I always sit there and I go, well, I, well, I don't know. I, know. <laughs> I don't be nice. I don't know. What do you, I don't know. What do I need? <laughs> and I think that's, that's such an important part of it too. You yeah. know, before we go out, like what do you, what compassion do you need and that that will help, you know, identify perhaps for others.
1: Yeah. I think our first step is like going out to other people saying, can you tell me what I need? Cause I really <laughs> don't even know that.
0: <laughs> Who am I anymore? <laughs> right.
1: It's such a blank. I think it's interesting. What a curious thing about our, I'll focus it on the United States of America, where there's often this massive attention to self, right? Mm -hmm. We're the country that, you know, Anyway, there's a massive attention to self. Just let me stop right there. Okay.
0: Yeah, period.
1: (laughs) Period. And and yet, if you ask people this question, what is it that you most want? What is it that you most desire in terms of, you know, a long-term flourishing of life? We're stumped Mm -hmm. because that's not the kind of self-care question we're often asked. Right. So uh, this is why Karen Armstrong says, if you, you better figure that one out first. And the, good, the really good thing about this is this is an important question to ask at any stage of life. It doesn't matter what the age is or what the ability is. You know, what is it that we need at any one particular time? I think this becomes even more important as we live longer. Mm -hmm. Because now we will be asking this question over a much longer period of of time in our lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are always many interesting and impactful things that we can do at whatever stage of our lifetime to reach out in compassion to other people, whether that's just maybe it's to one person or to many. But we'll only be able to do that if we have a good sense of what that means for us from the beginning.
0: Absolutely. And I think that ties in so well to, uh, what I'm thinking of now as the round hill radio book club. Um, we're gonna, we'll try one and we'll see how it goes. Um, so Ed has chosen a book for us to read and then we'll have a conversation or two about it. Um, so we want to tell us a a little bit about the book we're going to be reading together.
1: Yeah, so I actually got uh, the idea for this book because of um, the notion of working in our culture right at this time for racial justice. The encouragement uh, is for people to really think, first of all, about what it means to be compassionate and what it means to have a sense of compassion for people and start there before rushing out to say, okay, now what can I do right to have to help the world be more just? That's a wonderful thought. Mm -hmm. But first, let's just step back and ask the question, what does this really mean for us to uh, explore the world with more love? So there's a wonderful book um, that's been recommended to me over the past several months, many times I thought, okay, I should pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. It's by an African American writer whose name was Howard Thurman. And Howard Thurman was someone who was very influential in the life of Martin Luther King Jr. And he wrote a book at one point in his life called Jesus and the Disinherited. And it's interesting that Dr King carried only a couple of books with him and a small set of papers wherever he was in in his life. He always had these things with him and one of those books was Jesus and the Disinherited. It was mm. a very important book. So this is the book we'll take a look at and we'll do this for March the 31st will be our that particular podcast when we'll talk about the book and get, you know, hopefully insights from our listeners, Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. It's a nice short book but really, really important reading for many people who've been working in the arena of social justice now for many years.
0: Absolutely. So we encourage you to grab yourself a copy, hopefully from a local bookseller, and read along with us. Um, And we'll be back on the 31st of March. We'll obviously have episodes between now and then, but we'll we'll touch back on the 31st of March uh, all about it. If you have questions or comments you want to share with us in the meantime, I will figure out a way for that to happen. <laughs> Check the Roundhill Community Church e blast. If you're not signed up for that, you can do it at roundhillcommunitychurch.org. Any and all are welcome and included here. So don't feel like you have to be a member to receive that. Just visit our website. So we're excited about this process together and I'm excited to start reading it. I'm on spring break in two weeks. So I'm very excited to Hallelujah. have a book to read. It's going to be perfect.
1: Oh, Good for you. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, Ed. And we'll see you all back here next week.
1: Yes. Thank you, Leslie. And best to all.
0: Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.